Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Per usual here, it is Josh, Drew, and Connor talking all things MLS and reviewing that the end of the Major League Soccer season with MLS Cup being a couple days ago, with Columbus Crew becoming the 25th champion of Major League Soccer. Um, so we're going to talk about all that and just the awesome craziness that is going on in Major League Soccer right now and in soccer abroad. But before we get into another awesome episode about MLS, I wanted to check in on you guys. So it's only uh, been a couple good. days Finished since we assignment. talked last, so but I'm Connor, done four how have the five last classes. couple days been treating you? Uh, like everything submitted, which... Good feeling. Uh, we got the expansion draft tomorrow, which for some reason I'm excited for, even though Toronto will probably have a player taken. Um, good MLS Cup game over the weekend was fun to watch, which we'll talk about for sure. We're going to change this episode up a little bit, actually, and talk about that first. Um, but yeah, it's been a good, what, four days since we last talked? Uh, Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, basically, probably the same as you guys. You know, watching watching whatever sports are happening over the weekend. I personally enjoyed MLS Cup. It was not at all how I think anybody expected it to go. So that w- that made for some really good viewing. And uh, the Falcons were embarrassing yesterday, which is pretty pretty on brand the entertaining part of that game was that both teams definitely wanted to lose that game and so it it really did come down to the end and if they tried to give the ball away literally three interceptions at the end of the game between the two teams so that was that was pretty entertaining and then uh, the Hawks are looking pretty good in preseason so far so feeling all good about that and uh, lastly and definitely but not least looks like Gabriel Hines is going to be the new manager of Atlanta United that's picking up some steam so i'm very very excited for that i i'm not gonna lie i have spent some time just watching clips of heinz's teams in argentina just to get a feel for what atlanta united might look like i've already started dreaming about that so uh i'm I'm feeling pretty good drew how are you doing how was your weekend yeah it was good um i have one final later today and then i think i am essentially done for the semester so that is always really encouraging um like you said the Atlanta Falcons that was really bad but whatever it's just the normal now Hawks won really exciting Hines uh that's becoming more and more official I think so that's really exciting but leading into our next segment and for sure the best part of my weekend 
was the MLS export Miguel Amaron scored for Newcastle United, and Newcastle won their game. I forgot who they played, honestly, but they won 2-1, to one and Miggy scored, which was for sure the highlight of my weekend. So that's going to take us right into our wonderful North Americans Abroad segment. Um, like I said, Miguel Amaron scored for Newcastle United. So Atlanta United's export gets his first goal of the season. Took him 19 seconds to score that goal. I think it was the fastest goal of the season, and it was his first goal of the season. Um, so he got a goal. Uh, Gio Reyna got another goal against Stuttgart, a really good goal. Um, on the negative but also positive side for Americans, uh, Dortmund lost 5-1 to Stuttgart. But the positive of that is that I think we've talked about Pellegrino Matarazzo before, but he's an American coach, and they got a 5-1 win over Dortmund. Um, so that's really good. And this is an interesting rumor that I just saw on the dock, but following that collapse by Dortmund, uh, their manager was fired. And some people are starting to toss around Jesse Marsh's name as a possible replacement for Dortmund. I Josh would give me two major <laughs> thumbs down. So Josh, why are you not... Connor and I are fighting in the document right now about about some formatting issues. Uh, So Jesse Marsh, I would love it if he went to Dortmund. I think it'd be so cool to have an American manager at a really, really prominent team. Um, So I'm definitely not thumbs downing that whatsoever. I will say I don't necessarily think Marsh is going to end up there. There's some other names being thrown around with Dortmund. One is Marco Rosa from Mönchengladbach. He's done a lot of good things with that team. Mauricio Pochettino, who we spoke about a lot on our most recent podcast. Uh, he's also a name being heavily attached to Dortmund. So I'm excited by Marsh being a possible replacement. Not sure how likely that is, but it's uh, exciting nonetheless. Yeah, so that should be really exciting. That is getting tossed around. But in addition to Gio Reyna getting a banger goal, uh, Weston McKinney had an assist to Paulo Dybala on Sunday for Juventus. I think they got the win. I know the goal he assisted on, I think, was the equalizer, if I'm not wrong. But I think he went this, or was it the go-ahead goal? Or it was the go-ahead goal. Um, so West McKinney's kind of staying in form. And this is a new one. Um, we're getting Leon Bailey from Jamaica scored two for Bayer Leverkusen as they went on top of the Bundesliga, which I don't know if you guys have been seeing the post on social media, but, like, the current leaders in each league for, like, the top five are, like, all in Europa League, like Tottenham, Leverkusen, I don't know, is it AC Milan is the top, Serie A, and Lille is the top uh, League One in France, which is crazy, but that's insane. Um, also, getting into the women's side, Alex Morgan scored again for Tottenham, and Sam Mewis scored for Manchester City. So, Mewis and Morgan, this is like the second game Alex Morgan started for Tottenham, and she scored in both of them. So, she's tearing it up, and Sam Mewis has been tearing it up in England with Manchester City. So... Really exciting times uh, for North Americans abroad playing in Europe. Uh, But getting into the meat of the episode, MLS Cup happened. The Columbus Crew are champions of Major League Soccer after a surprising rout of the Seattle Sounders. 3-0 winners um, after not having Tarlington Nagby and Pedro Santos. I don't think... Any of us predicted that. I think Connor picked Columbus to win, but I don't think Connor picked it to be the way that it was. Um, but before we get too well, in I, depth of it, I did pick Seattle score, <laughs> which was zero. Well, did you say two so, was your prediction? I said one nothing. One I nothing. thought they'd scrape one out. Okay, and that was not a scraping out. Uh, that was a demolishing. 
Seattle sucked. <laughs> yeah, so I guess before we get too in-depth with it, Josh, what was your... And when the final whistle blew, what was your initial reaction to that game? I... I mean, kind of just what, what Connor just said, you know, like, we just watched the shellacking. I mean, Seattle were never really, never really competitive. Sure, they had a couple moments here or there, but honestly, once that second goal went in fair, uh, fairly early for Columbus, it just kind of felt like that was going to be it. Yeah, you know, 2-0 lead is like the most dangerous lead in soccer, blah, 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 blah. It's Seattle, blah, 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 blah. But it honestly never really felt like Seattle was going to find a way back, so... Just by the end of it, I was still feeling pretty surprised, honestly. Like you said, they were missing Nagby and Santos. And, you know, I'll go ahead and say I I was super impressed. I was just really, really impressed by what Columbus did. You got to give them props. They probably, I mean, you could argue Seattle is the hottest team coming into this thing. So for them to just manhandle Seattle like they did and without some of their most important players was just super, super impressive. I think it speaks to what Caleb Porter has done in two years and how he's gotten his players to to buy in because that's a huge part of why they, they won on Saturday. So really impressed. Can we talk about, quickly before we continue on the game, whatever happened before the game, those stupid-looking trophies. The gold what? statues. Oh, those why? guys were awesome. <laughs> because it's MLS, baby. It's got to be Come weird. On. It's got to be weird. Who signed off on that and gave it the okay? To be fair, I, you, you of all people, I feel like, shouldn't be dogging on it this hard. You know they went to the Fox production team and was like, hey, we can't do anything in person this year. Do your best to come up with something virtual for this game so that we still have some semblance of pageantry heading into the game. They can, and that's, they that's can what still they did, 100% you know? do something in person. Was it goofy? Oh, yeah, it was so goofy. But, I mean, come on. I love it. But uh, they look, they definitely could have done something in person. The biggest issue with the statues was the statues. Like the concept, great. It was the execution that just didn't work. Although it did, in fairness, it did get a lot of buzz on social media. So I guess that is a huge positive. So maybe I shouldn't be dogging on it so much, uh, especially because I can't do graphic design and I know how hard that is. But. <laughs> That was a, that was the best part was yeah. people's reactions and the jokes they were making about this like that I was the like best one. genuine North American reaction, which never happens in MLS unless it's Laton scoring that insane goal. So, I guess they sort of succeeded, even though it was weird to say the least. Um, but what wasn't weird was Columbus's performance because wow. They were insane. Aiden Morris? Who is that kid, and why is he the next coming of Darlington Nagby? Like, seriously. That kid went off. I had no idea who he was before this match. He's what, played three, started three matches for Columbus before today? It's crazy that he was able to do that against a team like Seattle, against midfielders like Roldan, like Ladero, like Svensson, who... Why he doesn't start is beyond me. But, look, I get the health issues with Svensson uh, and the fact that he was still coming back, but still. To be fair, I don't think Svensson fits in as one of the the best players on the team. For example, like in the midfield three, you have to have Ladero. That's 
that that's a non-starter. You have to have Roldan because it's Christian Roldan, and he had a fantastic playoffs anyway, so that justified starting him every game. And then Jao Paulo. I mean, he's a DP. He's been a silently but really important part of this team all season. Very underrated player, in my opinion. So I just don't think Svensson fits. But he's a great option to come off the bench, as he proved to all of us last week, a week ago from today, when he came in and scored the game-winning goal against Minnesota. So I just think Seattle is an embarrassment of riches, and there's just no good way for them to fit their most important and best players and also Svensson on the field. So that's just kind of a... But back to Aiden Morris, because I absolutely loved his performance. First of all, congrats to Columbus on getting these academy kids through. Because there's him and Sebastian Berhalter, Greg Berhalter's son, who is also a midfielder, and he got some decent time this year. I don't know if he got as much as Aiden Morris, but he's another academy kid coming through. So congrats to Columbus on getting some of these academy kids involved. And then second, I mean, just the kid played lights out. (laughs) Going up against the midfield three that I just named off is no small task for anybody in this league. And so for him to come in on what was probably a pretty short notice... Uh, it's just so special. I, I couldn't stop watching him all night because I was so intrigued. I was like, when is he going to mess up? When is he going to make the fatal mistake You know that all young kids make? And why is it going to help Seattle win the game? And he never did. He never made that mistake. So I was just I was really, really impressed by him. I can't wait to see more of him. I don't know how he's going to get playing time because he's behind Nagby and Artur. And I guess they're already on. So that's... That's one thing, but Columbus do know they have a really good player, and he is probably someone that can factor in for the youth setup for the U.S. men's national team. So that's really exciting all the way around. Drew, what was what was your one of your big takeaways from this game? Maybe how you felt after, or maybe some players that st- that sort of stood out. No, we haven't really mentioned Zellerion much for how good he was, but what, what are some of your thoughts on that, Drew? Yeah, I think. I tried to avoid, like, when we talk about players of the week, I think we'll get more in-depth to it, but I tried to avoid Zillarion as much as possible because I think, it like, his performance speaks for itself, right? But my thing was, like, because last time we recorded, we didn't know Nagby and Pedro Santos were not going to be available. I think that news dropped literally right after we finished recording. So I was interested to see how that was going to change, especially given... We all know how good Darlington Nagby is and how much he kind of bosses a game and runs the game through the midfield. But it was interesting to me that on that first goal, and I think it kind of played into a factor on the second, no, on the third, yeah, on the second goal, on the second goal. Um, Harrison Awful just sending in these really early crosses. And I feel like that was because you didn't have Nagby there to kind of run the show in the midfield. You kind of just had to get the ball in the final third however you could. And Awful played two really good balls. The first one, Zellerion, was a perfect pass. The second one kind of took a deflection Columbus's way and then fell to him, and he passed it off really good to... I forgot who scored the second goal. Um, But, yeah, I thought that was interesting how they changed their game plan uh, given losing those two really good players. And, yeah, Aiden Morris, I was very interested because I, I was expecting... I didn't know what to expect, but I was interested because Seattle... Well, on one side of it, Aiden Morris didn't have a lot of time to get ready for that game. Uh, then probably he was notified pretty late that he was starting in the biggest game of his career, probably up to this point, against one of the best midfields, if not the best midfield in the league. But I was interested because Seattle, 
was probably in the same boat, right? I mean, they've played Darlington Nagby countless times. They know what this guy can do. They know what to expect. But they probably had no idea about this Aiden Morris guy. Like, they didn't have the book on him, so to speak. Like, with Major League Baseball, you always have these young players come in, tear it up. Teams learn what to do. They learn how to pitch him. And then he can't adjust. And then he goes into a slump. So I'm interested to see how Aiden Morris's performance. Obviously, it was phenomenal, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more. But following this performance, teams know how good he is. But they still don't have a lot of film on him, right? I mean, they have, what, four games from this season? And like Josh said, I mean, it's not that he's not good, but how are you going to break into that midfield, right? I mean, that's one of the best midfields in the league. So I think he just provides such a good option off the bench because they're in CONCACAF Champions League, which we can talk about the teams that are going to be in next year's CONCACAF Champions League because that news dropped not too long ago. Um, but he's providing a lot of interesting depth that I don't know if a lot of teams know how to defend this guy yet. Like how I, no one knows what this guy can do. They just saw one good performance against Seattle, but that's like all the scouting they have on this kid. So I think he's going to be a pretty good force for a while in this league until teams really get film on him and really learn how to stop him. Because Seattle had no, had no idea what to do with this guy. And he dominated against Nico Ladero, right? So it was interesting. They didn't have a lot of film on him. And to his credit, I mean, he's 19. And he started in one of the biggest games. Not a lot of guys get to MLS Cup. So the fact that he started in one at 19 and was absolutely incredible says a lot. He did have one hell of a performance. And this is my hot take. And you probably will lose your mind. Don't, don't Josh say this. Josh is already nodding I know what you're his say. No. Don't say so this, I'm excited Connor. about this. Zhao Paulo is overrated. Whoa. Okay, I, I wasn't expecting you to say that, but you're wrong. But... Over, overrated? From everything, overrated? From everything I've no seen. No one talks about him. From everything I've seen, he's not very good. Nobody talks about him, so I don't know if I agree with Maybe not overrated, calling but him overrated. Maybe not overrated, but not very good. How's that? All right. I, I, I can't really argue with you on, on that too much. I'll, like, I'll, let, I'll let you have that because he's only been in the league for a year. Maybe, maybe we'll both be talking about him a lot differently. In the next coming years, what did you think he was going to say, Josh? I was excited where your brain was going. Go. I thought he was going to say Aiden Morris is better than Darlington Nagby or Artur. I'm not like, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that insane. <laughs> so that's why I was already shaking my head. I was like, dude, don't say this right now. Don't do this, man. Hot take Columbus should leave one of Darlington Nagby or Artur available in the expansion draft so Aiden Morris can play more. Oh my god, that would be... But doesn't he provide, like, the best option with, like, given all these... Like, Columbus is going to have a jam-packed schedule next year. Like, on that Wednesday night against the Chicago Fire with 15 (laughs) people in the stands. And you have this young gun, Aiden Morris, coming in, bossing the midfield. I think that's wonderful. It's so unfair because that midfield is so stacked. And, well, actually, I can't talk. Toronto's midfield's pretty good. You guys, on the other hand... You have your issues, uh, which for some reason you're going yeah, to Champions League. Yeah, don't have a midfield. There's literally no midfield. There's no one that you can't name a player right now that I know that plays in the midfield for Atlanta United. Barco. Nope. He's a winger. No right? one knows what his position is. <laughs> Barco doesn't even know. I'm not kidding. Exactly. No one knows. We'll know after Gabriel Hines comes in. But uh, True. True, because that was announced today. Uh, well, not officially announced. Felipe Cardenas. 
thank you. I'm so bad with these names. Uh, put out an article saying it's basically confirmed. They're just waiting on the official announcement. So Atlanta have their next head coach, which we talked a little bit about on the Rachel Dory podcast, which you should go and listen to because she dropped some bombs about TFC, which could potentially be affected by something that's happening literally this second, which is the expansion draft rosters are being released. But we'll talk about that in a second. I think we should talk a little bit more about the biggest game in the 2020 season for MLS in MLS Cup. And I wanted to get your thoughts on how you think Jassy Zardes played. Because he didn't put up any goals. I don't believe he put up any assists either. Should that be something that Columbus fans are worried about, that he wasn't able to get involved? Or do you think this is just like a one-game thing where he didn't need to get involved because Zellerian is otherworldly? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm, like, too concerned. I mean, I don't – I'm trying to find the highlights right now as you were talking about that, but I just can't – not pulling up on the YouTube for me. Um, But I want to – did he – I feel like he had one chance that Stephen Fry saved early on. I don't know if Zardes was the one that shot that or not. Oh, yeah, that but, crazy save right on the goal line? Yeah, and then I think he went for a very – bad attempt at a bike like right after Stephen Fry saved it <laughs> there were two attempts at a bike there and they both failed miserably I don't know why MLS players are trying to do bicycle kicks like not, the best players in the world can't even do them never mind you guys like let's just be honest with ourselves here yeah but I mean I'm not too concerned I mean he the guy yeah he's good I don't know his exact stats from this year but he was one of the best I think he was up there for golden boot if i am remembering correctly um and yeah i think jesse Zardes is one of those guys where they don't win mls cup without him right he had 12 goals in 20 games he started in 12 goals four assists so he had a really good season um but i think the i'm not too concerned about that because that's one of the good things about good teams if your striker isn't having a good game you have a player like zillarion to rely on and he made it count um paid like five million for this guy or something like that and he's more than paid off with that and this is without Arlington Nagby and Pedro Santos to kind of add to that goal scoring threat so I think it speaks more to how good Columbus is on the attacking side of the ball as well as defense I mean the thing about defense is they don't really want to talk about it because they kind of just quietly do their job kept the clean sheet I thought Eloy Room came with one huge save and I don't remember what minute it was but, yeah, I mean, that just speaks to how good Columbus is, given that Giassi's artist didn't have his most signature game. Uh, he didn't accidentally score with his face off the crossbar or anything like that, which was kind of disappointing. I was hoping for that. But even though their striker didn't have maybe his best game yet, their number 10 um, played more than exceptional, and then you have Aiden Morris playing. So... I'm not too concerned about Jesse Zardes. He had a really good season, um, and he's an MLS Cup champion. So I think I think Columbus is just fine with where Giassi Zardes is right now. Uh, Josh, what did you think? Is this anything to be concerned about, or what did you think about Giassi Zardes' performance in the first place? Because I think a lot of attention is on him whenever you talk about the Columbus crew. Yeah, I I agree with most of what you said. Uh, he he didn't really do much in this particular game, and honestly, that's fine. He didn't have to. You know, Zellerion kind of ran the show, and Harrison Awful, like you talked about, Drew, like he played a big role in this too. But a lot of what Jossie's artist does kind of goes unnoticed. 
you know, it's his runs toward the goal that disorients some of the center backs, maybe provides space for Zellerion at the top of the box in that space. So I'm sure if we went back and really dissected his performance, we could find a lot of good things that he did off the ball that normally goes unnoticed. And like you said, he had a good chance early, and Stefan Fry made a great save like he normally does. So uh, Zardes, you know, he kind of had his chances, but he didn't need to play a big role in this game, which I think is perfectly fine. And, you know, he had a good season. I think he's really evolved as a player over the last year or so. And uh, he's he's really found what he's good at. It just wasn't needed in this game. So good year for him overall. He just didn't play a play a huge role in, in MLS Cup Final. Connor, did you have, have anything you wanted to add about Jossie's artist? No, not particularly. I think what you guys sort of said sort of summed up what I thought. I was more interested to hear what your perspectives would be on it as a big money player who's supposed to be a big game player to not really put any numbers on the stat sheet uh, as a striker. I didn't know if that might worry you a little bit. But again, he scored in the their last match against New England. He's been pretty involved and pretty key player uh, throughout these playoffs and throughout their season. So I don't think you should really be worried about it. Um, but again, it, things can change with the stamp of a finger. And... Josie Altador has proved that, but we'll dive into that in a second. I wanted to quickly, because we forgot to mention this, or I forgot to mention this um, during the European segment, some stuff that happened in the Instagram comments of Jordan Heitma's uh, post with her boyfriend, who is Alfonso Davies. Um, basically, to sum it up, people have just been putting very, very racist remarks in her replies to pictures with Alfonso, specifically on one picture, which has been all over social media if you want to go and see it. Um, but I I think we should just address that, like, this stuff isn't okay, and it's not going away. We need to be outspoken about this. If the incident in the Champions League match between Besiktasur Besiktasur and PSG doesn't prove that it's not going away. I don't know what does, but when you see something like this, you speak out, speak up, because it's just not acceptable. And I think we should throw our support behind Fonzie and Jordan because they're two incredibly talented players on two very good teams, and they are two Canadians, first and foremost. That is it. They are Canadians, and we need to support these people because they are human and it's just disappointing when you see stuff like this happen but I guess it's just it's what society is and we're trying to push that garbage out of it in general and out of everything we have been going through over the last six months um, but I don't know if either of you have any sort of thoughts on the Davies Heitma situation. Um, but if you don't, I guess we can dive into the expansion draft stuff, which is some of my favorite stuff when it comes to sports, uh, or expansion drafts and things like that. So we're not going to dive into the draft just yet because they still haven't released the lists of players and it's 108 when it should have been released at one. So maybe something changed. 
but they did make a ton of trades, Austin. Um, I don't know. I'll let you guys sort of dive into them specifically, but I'll list off the names that they acquired, all of which for GAM. Uh, they acquired Nick Lima from San Jose, John Gallagher from your Atlanta, uh, Julia, Julio Casante from Portland, Ben Sweat from Inter-Miami, and Ulysses Segura from D.C. United. Which pickup was Alston's best yesterday, and which one are they going to massively regret? So for me... I I personally, I love Nick Lima. I think he's a great player. I wish it had worked out for him in San Jose under Matias Almeida. I do know that Almeida really wanted Lima to play as a left back. Lima really wanted to play in his more natural right back position. So it's just kind of time, I think, for him to move on into a new spot. I imagine he'll get plenty of playing time at right back in Austin. There's also a little bit of a U.S. men's national team connection there. Lima got a decent run with the national team in the last couple years when Josh Wolf, the current Austin FC manager, was an assistant manager to Burhalter. So I'm sure he's had his eye on Nick Lima for a while. But I'm really excited about that move. I'm also pretty excited about John Gallagher's move, to be honest. I am disappointed as an Atlanta fan to be losing our best player from 2020. But at the same time, I thought it was a pretty savvy move for Atlanta to, to turn a profit on him. And also, just from seeing that he's got a great attitude, a great work ethic, I think he'll be able to bring a lot to Austin. So those were kind of the biggest ones that jumped out to me. Drew, what were your thoughts on these uh, five moves from Austin yesterday? Yeah, I think, first off, the one that jumped out to me the most was John Gallagher because Atlanta. But like when you look at the stats of these guys, um, specifically Julio Casante and Ulysses Segura, I think is how you pronounce their names, they didn't play a whole lot last this year. Um, I think Julio played five, started in four games and played in five. He got a goal, though, in those games. And then Segura only started in seven games and didn't get a goal or an assist. So it's interesting that these guys didn't get a whole lot of playing time this year. Um, maybe Austin just sees something that we just didn't because we didn't get to see him a whole lot. Um, Gallagher, I think, was one of the better players on Atlanta United, which he didn't have like a stellar season, which I think tells you just how bad Atlanta United was. He got four goals in 16 games he appeared in this year. Um, but that was the biggest thing that when it got announced, and I looked at the stats, that these guys didn't really play a whole lot. Now, like you mentioned with Nick Liam, I think he's kind of the anomaly here that he's obviously experienced. He's not that old, but not that young. I think he is 26. So he's right in that solid prime um, in San Jose. So that was the main thing that stuck out to me with these guys didn't play a whole lot, so I'm not sure what to what to expect out of them. Like I never watching these games in twenty twenty, none of these guys were names that like constantly popped up when we were talking about Portland, we were talking about DC United. So I just don't know what to expect because they didn't really play a whole lot. Um yeah, John Gallagher, like we said, I think that was the biggest one that dropped out to me because he was one of the better players for Elaine United. But I'm excited to see what Austin sees in these guys because we surely didn't get to see a whole lot of it this year. Uh, Connor, were there any things to you that stuck out after these first five moves from Austin? Not necessarily from Austin's perspective, but I do find it interesting that Inner Miami now don't have a left back, period, on their roster, which Alex Windley, who we talk endlessly about on this podcast, uh, was talking quite a bit about, and we'll have to get her on in the future 
to talk about Inter-Miami and whatever they're going to do this offseason because they're not exempt from the expansion draft and will have a player taken likely. Uh, Maybe. We'll see. But I think the Nicolima edition was great. Uh, John Gallagher, really good from everything I know about him. He's dynamic. He's quick. He'll be a good addition to that team. Uh, I feel like they're shaping out to play a wide style of soccer uh, with who they brought in. Uh, I'm blanking on his name, but their first DP or second DP from South America. Uh, I think Cassant, Cassante. I've, God, these names are so tough sometimes. <laughs> I'm so bad at them. Um, but I think having a player who's won or experienced winning before is going to be huge. Uh, and honestly, I think they made good additions. A little expensive, some of them. Like they, it cost them one point one seven five million in GAM, but they got to build their roster somehow. And getting both young and experienced MLS players is going to be huge to that goal of being successful and being successful in a likely pretty good soccer market uh, in Austin. So. Do either of you have any sort of final thoughts on the Austin trades that they made? I'm interested to see what Miami does about this left back situation because there were a couple of them, a couple left backs that are on the market that have played MLS. I think the names that stuck out to me, I'm pulling up Alex's Twitter right now as I'm talking to you guys, but I think uh, Greg Garza was an option, which... Josh and I have experienced Greg Garza in Atlanta. Uh, Justin Morrow was an option to uh, Connor. So I'm excited about that. Out of those out of those two names, if you had to get a left back for Miami, would you rather have Greg Garza or Justin Morrow on your team? I would definitely rather have Justin Morrow. Greg Garza can't stay fit to save his life. He, he can't. He, he never really plays. He just doesn't. So I think the default answer... Following that logic is Justin Mora. Connor was kind of given a funny face. I know Justin Mora is a little older, but yeah, he's like thirty three. Oh, I think. think. I think Mora is getting closer to the end of his career than he is to his prime. Um, so I'd lean Greg Garza just because you would get some more shelf life out of him than Mora. But at the same time, Mora brings a lot off the pitch, which you can't overlook. So I'd probably go Mora because he's still pretty talented like he can still play uh and he's as i mentioned the good off the pitch aspect of it but it's that's a tough decision and they don't have to stick in mls they could go outside of mls as well uh they could make a trade they've got a lot of options so how Inter Miami filled that left back position is going to be very interesting, especially with the fact that they're willing to spend millions of dollars, uh, period. So it's this offseason is going to be incredibly interesting for a lot of teams. And MLS are thankfully based on their ownership groups in a pretty good position to spend a lot of money. And in a market that's pretty going down pretty quickly in the soccer market. I think this could be a huge offseason for MLS in terms of acquiring talent and building these rosters into something that could compete in Champions League 
routinely like go to finals but we'll have to wait and see like we are waiting to see the expansion draft list because they still haven't announced it yet and it's 11 6 not 11 1 16 and it was supposed to come out at one uh but do we want to just do our bracket update now oh man i haven't looked at that in a while but let's do it you don't want to look at that drew <laughs> let's let's put it that way um i will say of the three of us i did finish top so i get to rub that in your faces which feels great uh canada's always better but <laughs> yeah so drew you finished in ninth with 40 points you were behind josh who finished in eighth also with 40 points Ivan, wait how do you get ahead of me what is this uh i don't know it might have been he picked up more teams right or he picked a quarterfinal right i have no idea um but above both of you is ivan who finished with 65 points uh in seventh and we'll jump forward to top four because i think the people who got over 100 are kind of impressive uh so in fourth we have dan who i believe is dan garza uh, who was our first guest of the MLS playoffs this season. Uh, he finished with 105. Coming in third is yours truly with 115. So I'm just going to be flexing on you for the next week. Um, second, Nathan Reynolds, who is the former site head for MLS Multiplex. He finished with 225 Going into the finals, I believe he was like 48th out of all of MLS brackets or somewhere around there. So he had a very good shot of doing being very successful if he picked the correct winner, which unfortunately he didn't. But Matt, uh, who goes by Team Chaos, um, which MLS in a nutshell, um, he finished with... 200 and as my webpage loads again because it I left it 280 points he picked the correct winner uh, I don't believe he cor- predicted the correct scoreline he didn't but quite the performance from him uh, he had Columbus Seattle in the final obviously in the conference finals he had Colorado and Philadelphia joining the two MLS Cup finalists. So that last uh, pick for the MLS Cup winner came in pretty clutch for him as he pushed up from 180 to 280. So he was going to finish at least second. So shout out to Matt for winning the MLS multiplex uh, bracket league thing. They need to come up with a better, or we need to come up with a better name for it, honestly. But what were your thoughts on your performances in the MLS multiplex bracket? Are you disappointed? Are you surprised? How do you think you did? I am not surprised. Just it's MLS. Like I shot from the hip when I made my picks, as you can tell by my San Jose upset in the first round. So 
once my once my teams got knocked out, I was like, I wasn't even really disappointed or surprised. It's just like, you when it, man, when it comes to MLS, you just have to accept. You have no other option. You can only accept what is happening because if you try to argue within yourself about the the results, or if you're getting upset, then it's just it's futile. It's just a waste of time. So you just got to accept what happened. So I was very accepting very quickly when all my teams started getting knocked out. Yeah, I wasn't. I had a couple right upsets in there. I did pick Nashville, uh, winning, beating Toronto. So that was exciting. Um, I picked Colorado to do a little better than they did. I thought they were going to ride the hot streak toward the end of the season that they were on, and I thought that was going to push them ahead. But I was wrong on that front. Um, I didn't have. I think at the Orlando pick wrong, which as all that chaos was unfolding. I was like, somehow my Orlando, my NYCFC pick is going to come true in the weirdest way possible with a goalkeeper getting sent off and having to use a defender as a keeper. But unfortunately, I got that pick wrong. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think when you think about the final, just one of the biggest things about it was that it was two really good teams. I think if you had said before the beginning of the season that the final was going to be Columbus-Seattle, that that made sense. That wasn't too far, far out there. Now, if you'd said that Columbus was going to beat Seattle 3-0 without Darlington Agby or Pedro Santos, that might get some head scratches because I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. But these are two of the best teams in the league, I think, from beginning to end. And I want to ask you guys this question because I think we're still waiting on expansion lists to come out. But from... This crazy season from all of 2020, considering MLS is back, the regular season, and these playoffs, what was the best team across all three competitions? Who was the best team, in your opinion, across all 2020 matches we saw this year? Ooh, that's a tough question. Go ahead, Connor. You know, you know, like, you look like you know what your answer is. I don't know, but. I will say I will say Columbus because I think they were (laughs) I think they were consistent throughout the playoffs they were consistent throughout the season Uh, I was very tempted to go with Portland because of their success at MLS's back as well Um, but I will say Columbus and take that one as soon as I possibly can Uh, and speaking of Columbus before you give your prediction they acquired Evan Bush in a trade, which I didn't see for 125k in game, so I guess they found their backup keeper for next season. But Josh, who was your most consistently good team this season in MLS? Well, I mean, I think there's really only one answer. I think, I think it is Columbus. Like I have to agree with you, <laughs> unfortunately. But and my reasoning is this: like you look at the three competitions that we had, right? MLS is back, Sporter Shield, MLS Cup. You look at those three winners, and you've got Portland, Philadelphia, Columbus. Philadelphia was good throughout the season, but MLS is back. They they were they were good in MLS is back as well, but they failed in MLS Cup playoffs by losing in the first round. Portland won MLS is back, did decent in the regular season, also went out in the first round of the MLS Cup playoffs. Whereas Columbus, they advanced just as far as Philadelphia did. They ended up finishing with the 
was it the second uh, most points, third most points in the league behind Toronto and Philadelphia. So consistent in the regular season and obviously came away with MLS Cup. So, yeah, I mean, overall, I think it's hard to argue against Columbus being overall and consistently the best team in MLS this year. I'm going to be a little different. I'm going to say Philadelphia because obviously we know about their supporter shield, but they also made a run to the semifinals and MLS is back. So we know about their collapse in the playoffs to the revolution. But I think obviously the regular season speaks for itself. They were really good and they had a shot there at MLS's back. They lost 2-1 to the eventual champion Portland. Um, so I think they deserve a shout. But again, it's hard to ignore Columbus. Columbus did go out in the first round of MLS's back. But I think they went out in penalties. I forgot who they lost to, but I feel like it was one of those penalty matches that we had like early on. There were like four games in penalties. But yeah, I just think that's interesting because we have so many competitions and different teams winning different trophies. But yeah, I think Columbus, Philly, Portland, I think you all make a case for all three of those being the best team across this crazy season that we've had. All right, let's pause because we are going to wait until the expansion rosters come out so we can make our picks ahead of tomorrow um but we will be either right back with good news in that we are talking about rosters or bad news because they didn't release them before we had to stop recording uh so we will be probably or we will be right back and we're back uh talking this segment about Austin FC as they are getting ready to have their expansion draft um, rosters, not rosters, I guess list names that are available for selection was just released about an hour ago. So we're going to talk through uh, who we think Austin FC should pick um, ahead of their expansion draft and just some quick rules about this. Um, there are five rounds in the expansion draft and once a, pl- is a player is selected, uh, from a team, that team is no is done, is free from the expanded draft, so you get one player per team, uh, five rounds. So we're going to go through this uh, by each of us, and we're going to start with you, Connor. If you were Austin FC, if you were Matthew McConaughey, I don't think he has any role in this process whatsoever, but I like to imagine that he'll be on some cool stage t- saying the people's names, like the NFL draft, but I don't think that's going to happen. I'd be um, disappointed if he's not there tomorrow, just saying. Oh, no, they'll do that. They'll do that. He's going to be on stage. He's going to be talking because they need that celebrity presence to try to get other news outlets interested in this event because outside of hardcore MLS, no one gives a crap. So if you are Matthew McConaughey, Connor, you get the five picks. You're the one. Not only does Matthew McConaughey get to say it on the stage, but he's the one that gets to make the picks. Um, I don't I don't even know what his real job is at Austin FC anyway. But, Connor, uh, who were your five picks if you were Austin FC in this expansion draft, given the list that was just released about an hour ago? Well, I have gone very international uh, with my picks, uh, both because I think there's a lot of good young talent available from non-American team, like non-Americans, and... I think there could potentially be trades, which I'll touch on in a second. Um, but I guess the pick that pretty much everyone is going to say is going to be made, which most likely will be made because for some reason he was made available, is the Senegalese goalkeeper, which I was pointed out 
thanks to Caleb Wilkins for that, because I initially thought he was Canadian. Clement Diop, uh, who plays for Montreal. He was left unprotected. He had a pretty good season this year, took the job from Evan Bush, who then got traded to Vancouver, who, as we mentioned earlier, then got traded to Columbus. Um, but solid stop, shot stopper. I think he'd be a really good option in goal for uh, Austin. He's not that old. He's only 27, so he's still got some years ahead of him. And I think having that solid piece in net, even though he is an international, will be very, very, very helpful to them next season and in the future. Uh, the next player I went with was... I'll mention the ones that I don't think will get traded first. Uh, I went with Felipe Mertens from DC United. Solid Brazilian midfielder. Uh, I think he'll be a really good addition to that team. I think he's got some talent. He didn't play a ton of minutes this past season, but he's shown that he can put up 2,000 minutes in a season in the past, relative recently. Uh, He's played, uh, let me just pull this up. He's played a total of 20,000 minutes in MLS since 2012. Uh, And for the first, from 2012 to 2018, he put up over 2,000. And only since 2019, has that actually yeah only since 2019 has that amount dropped below 2000 so i think that's just a good option to fill their midfield with and good distributor uh the next player i have is a bit of an iffy one because he was surrounded in some trade rumors recently uh he used to be one of the most highly touted players young players in mls will trap uh, the midfielder for Inter Miami. He had a pretty poor season this last year with Miami, but transfer market is still rating him at like over a $3 million value. He's a solid midfielder. Um, I was talking to Josh and Drew about this a little bit earlier. Uh, Josh thinks this could potentially be a good fit because apparently Austin are going to try to play a similar system to Greg Berhalter, which is where Trap was very successful. They, I don't know for sure if they will. It's just I think it's a logical assumption because Wolf worked under Burhalter both at the U.S. and in Columbus with Will Trapp. So there's already that connection too. He's already coached him a lot in recent years. Yeah, so it's good young American, doesn't take him up an international slot, is very high potential for a bounce back season. He's only 27, I believe. So he's not that old yet either. Uh, he's bringing that MLS experience that he's had uh, gained over his relatively young career. So I think that'll be a pretty good option for them. Although he might get traded to Minnesota. We don't know. Um, but my last two players I think could potentially be trade chips specifically with Toronto and Montreal because they are both Canadians. Um, first of all, from Orlando, Kamal Miller is a left sided defender he can play both center back and left back he had a really good season this year he's only 23 uh he's shown a quite a bit of promise i think he could be a good fit on one of Tor- most likely toronto uh because of his ability to play at left back and i think that there could potentially be a fit there i could also see him going to montreal and you know it might be better for austin to pick up some cash capital to be able to use to purchase players because as we pointed out earlier in the show they did a lot of that uh yesterday and i could see them doing even more of that in the very near future and finally of my five although we'll mention my a sixth player i picked in case will trap isn't available um because he's going to get traded 
Derek Cornelius, defender for Vancouver Whitecaps, under 23 as well, or under 23 as well, Canadian international, central defender. This kid's good. He's going to be a member of the Canadian national team for quite a while. He's a solid defender. Um, Why Vancouver left him available, I will never understand. Uh, He just has a lot of talent. He's a good athletic. uh, And frankly, it shocks me that they didn't expose somebody like Tosin Ricketts. Uh, who is coming off of surgery and is on the wrong side of 30, like like three years, as opposed to Derek Cornelius, who still has likely a very successful career ahead of him. Um, but my final pick, and this is only if Will Trap is not available, I went with Nicolas Benezé because I am a diehard fan of him. I love his style of play. I think being able to play both centrally and on the wings will be really helpful to the uh, Austin as both a potential substitute or a starter. I think his passing plays superb. Um, while he, I think he's incredibly underappreciated and all it takes is one MLS team to take a serious chance on him. And I think he could be incredibly successful. Um, but I'm willing to hear your feedback and I want to hear your feedback. So do you agree with my picks? Yes. No. Who do you disagree with a lot? (laughs) I think you've got some some good picks in there. I definitely think that Austin will try to go very domestic heavy just for roster slots, so I don't know that they'll end up picking as many international players as you've got. The only one I don't necessarily agree with, I guess, would be Felipe from D.C. He's got a very thorny presence, thorny personality um, in the league. Not, not that that's ever been a, a, really a problem for him fitting in with locker rooms or anything, but I don't know that he's necessarily like a favorite or someone that Austin might go after. Although, if you want someone nasty in your midfield who's just going to do all the dirty stuff for you, then yeah, I mean, I think Felipe would be a, a good pickup for them. But to me, pretty good list. I think having those two defensive midfielders would be would create a really, really good midfield and a really good base for awesome to build off of but i'll let you guys make your picks because we sort of have to rush through this because josh has to take off to go and do actual work um but which of you want to go next with your picks i will start us off on deck here um so yeah i went kind of similar to connor i went pretty international i don't have a lot of domestic players which when we talk about international spots that kind of comes into question um but i thought a lot about age because considering that I think when you have these players coming to Austin FC you're gonna have a lot of players that have not played in MLS before um I think you'll you'll have some that have experience playing with this level but I think having some veteran experience is going to be big that know this league know the game playing in the states and all the weird crazy things that MLS brings um so that being said I'm going to start and my first one uh Kind of, he's kind of an older guy. He's a forward, uh, Freddie Montero from the Whitecaps. Uh, he is Colombian, so he would take up an international spot. But, um, and kind of same, I'll kind of tie in Luis Robles, the goalkeeper from Miami. I'll tie those two together because they're are they're aging. They're on the wrong side of 30, like Hunter said. Um, but I think those two players have played in this league. They've won in this league. Freddie Montero has bounced around. Um, he's played with Seattle. He succeeded in Seattle. Played with Vancouver. He's done pretty well with the Whitecaps. Um, Luis Robles, again, New York Red Bull, kind of a staple there with the Red Bulls. Um, and going to Miami, again, he's veteran. He knows 
this league inside and out, and especially as a goalkeeper, I think he could be very useful if they sign maybe some young center backs, um, either some young center backs or some center backs that haven't played in this league. I think having a keeper like Robles would be really good in keeping that defense tied down from his angle of the field. Um, so yeah, I went with Freddie Montero, Luis Robles. I went with Tesho Akindale um, from Orlando. I'm sorry, He's Canadian. how did you just say his name? It wasn't that far off. Tesho Akindale? How was it? Tesho Akindale? Akindale. <sighs> It's not that bad. Oh, it's not that's, that bad. You, you acted like I totally botched I, it. That when was I close. first heard it, I thought it was way worse. <laughs> but Yeah, so Tesho Akindele. Akin, yes. So I just emphasized the wrong thing. Okay, my apologies <laughs> to Tesho, but good to know. We live and learn. Um, so yeah, he is a forward for Orlando City. Again, he's played in this league a really long time. He came in the league with FC Dallas in 2014. Um, but given that he's not that old, he's only 28 I think. Um, so yeah, he's big. He's six one. So solid target and forward uh, for headers. And he played. He scored a couple goals with Orlando City this year, even though he didn't start that many games. So I think he would be solid experience, but he's also not too old. Um, I'd I say sticking with Orlando City, another Orlando City Canadian. I just made that connection. Uh, uh, Kamal Miller. Wait a second. Think... You can't t- pick two players oh, from I can't the same do team. That. Oh jeez, I broke the rules. Oh jeez. Okay, well, as I try and Google someone else really quick from looking at the well, list. How about while well, I, I fill your time by going in on your Freddie Montero pick because it's absolutely terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> he is out of contract with Vancouver. He couldn't start for Vancouver. Um, he, While he is kind of good, he is also on the wrong side of 30. Um, out of contract is the key aspect of that. And... Frankly, I think there are better options. And I'm very interested to hear why you didn't pick a midfielder at all. You just went with two forwards, a goalkeeper, and two defenders. And as opposed to picking somebody like a Will Trap or uh, Warren Creval or really there's a lot of options. Uh, even a Nicholas Benizet, uh, who is my guy. But it's very interesting that you went with no midfielders. Uh, I know you're trying to search desperately for another option, but could you dive into a bit why you decided to go without a midfielder? You know, that's just how the chips fell. You know what I'm saying? I got this list together very quickly following an interview. So this, yeah, I mean, I think defenders, obviously defense wins championships. I'm big on that. And forward, someone's got to score the goals. And honestly, when I was looking at this list, I mean, there weren't I mean, every player has their downside in this list, right? I mean, age is a huge thing. You talk about international slots. Um, I think you make a really good pick with Will Trapp, but I already have my Miami guy, especially given how the connection there. Um, but, yeah, you know, that's just how the chips fell. Um, but I'm going to get into my other pick, Paul Maurice from San Jose. He is a French defender. Um, not a whole lot known about this guy, except that he is pretty young, and he broke into San Jose last year in 2019. He started three games and played nine as a sub, and kind of the same thing with this year. He started four games and played 12, but just because of how young he is and that it looks like he's on the come up here, he's has an upside that he broke into the team relatively recently, um, so that shows me that he can... He's getting better. He's improving. And if you can have a player like that that's so young, I think that's really exciting for Austin. And uh, I think, yeah, I mean, he's young. He's a good defender. 
and I think there's a lot of upside to that. So, Josh, I'm going to let you go as I search for one last player, probably a midfielder, now that Connor has roasted my picks. But, <laughs> Josh, who, who are your guys for Austin FC? Yeah, so I went, uh, I went pretty domestic heavy with my five players, and I wanted to make these decisions based on who Austin FC already have. And so just to get you guys up to speed real quick, they have three defenders already. Two of them are American. They have two forwards, both are Paraguayan, and they have two midfielders on the roster. One is Irish, the other is Costa Rican. So they definitely are probably going to end up using a couple of those international slots. I'm not sure which of those already, uh, which of those guys that are already playing in MLS have green cards. Uh, I can't remember if Gallagher has one, and Ulysses Segura or uh, Julio Cascante could possibly have um, some sort of situation where they don't take up an international slot. But anyway, so with that in mind, I. I'll, I'll give you guys my international players first. I went with the defender Amro Tarek from Red Bulls, and he is Egyptian, and I'm pretty sure he takes up an international roster slot. But I went with him. Uh, he had some some great couple years in New York after not playing so well for Orlando. And so I think he's just really grown as a player the last couple years, really played well up in New Jersey. So I think he would be a really good defensive option for Austin to have, and he's a little bit experienced. Um, I believe he is 28, and he has now been in MLS for two years, three years. So he's already got some of that MLS experience that these um, expansion franchises need. So that's my first pick. Second one is also Clint Diop, just like Connor uh, from Montreal. He's Senegalese. He is a goalkeeper. They don't have a goalkeeper on their roster yet. They need one, and he is probably the best available, although there are a few decent goalkeeper options out there. And then uh, for my American picks, I've got Warren Craval, midfielder, who's been at Philadelphia for the last handful of years, but even before that, he's played with Toronto and Houston Dynamo. He's been in MLS for eight or nine years now, so he brings tons of experience with him. And the fact that he was just on a Supporter Shield winning team and a team that went to the playoffs for the first time two seasons ago is huge from a leadership and experience perspective. Uh, I've got Joe Corona next, also another midfielder from Galaxy. He is also American, so he should be not taking up an international roster slot. So Connor really doesn't like this pick, and I totally understand why. However, I feel that in a different situation, literally anywhere else other than LA Galaxy, he would be a lot better. I mean, this is a guy who has spent tons of time in Liga MX, which is by no means a bad league or anything. So he's he's proven his worth as a player, and he's played with the national team a, a good bit as well. So I just think that when he went to L.A., when he went to Galaxy, I thought, man, this is a great decision. He could do really well for them. And, of course, it's Galaxy, so they messed that up. issue I have with it is the same issue I had with Freddie Montero, his contract option wasn't picked up. So why not just wait and sign him as opposed to picking him in the expansion draft when he could pick somebody else who you wouldn't necessarily be able to acquire in other ways? Hey, that's a good point. I don't really care about that, though, when I was making this pick, if I'm being honest. I didn't really factor in contract stuff. Don't you run the risk of, if you play that waiting game, don't you run the risk of another team picking him up? So if you really want him then wouldn't it make sense to grab him in the expansion draft? Again, you have to value him pretty highly to do that. But if maybe there's rumors that he's that there's a market for him. 
it's true, but I don't know how many people are going to be searching out for LA Galaxy players after the season they just had. Uh, and I think having the ability to say, we'll give you as much playing time as you want because we have no players is going to be very enticing for him. Uh, but you could be right. It's, it is a risky decision, uh, but it would be one that I'd be willing to make. I, I think Corona deserves another shot just because, okay, Joe Corona. I think Joe Corona deserves another shot. That's, that sentence, yeah, that <laughs> sentence out of context is not very good. Uh, I think midfielder Joe Corona from the Los Angeles Galaxy deserves another shot somewhere in this league because the Galaxy have been such a dumpster fire the last four or five years that I think it's hard to make judgments on those players when the organization has basically let their guys down. And then um, moving on to my final pick, I got CJ Sapong from Chicago. Uh, he's a forward, also American. He is not someone I think that would immediately start for Austin. I just think he'd be a really good MLS savvy, MLS experienced depth player that can help lead younger guys, can help bring balance to the locker room, and can pr- and hopefully produce when called on. And uh, yeah, those are those are my five picks. I think we all made pretty good decisions. There were a couple that I'm questioning, um, but I want to hear Drew's final one. Uh, because I'm very interested in what he has to say on that, because he did pick a midfielder, so he listened to me. Which midfielder did you pick? I picked an American midfielder. An American midfielder. Which American midfielder did you pick? I picked American midfielder Jared Stroud from the New York Red Bulls um, because he is 24. He is a... No, he's not a defensive midfielder. He's a very attacking midfielder. Um, Before he came to New York... He played with New York Red Bulls too, their USL affiliate. Um, he got some playing time with the Red Bulls this year. He started in 11 games and played in 20. And in that time, he got two assists. So I think he's proving a lot of promise. Again, he's on the come up, uh, had a pretty good career in USL, and he's young and he's a midfielder. So he's going to help connect these pieces between the defenders that they draft because my five are going to be the five that they draft because that's how it works, right? They're going to connect the defense to the forwards. And I, he's young, he's exciting, and I think... He's on the come up, a 5'10", solid presence in the midfield. And yeah, he's had a good time at USL, obviously good enough to get them promoted to their first team and got some time in MLS and made good of it with two assists. So he is my final pick, Jared Stroud, the midfielder from the New York Rebels. I am really hoping, as we sort of have to wrap this up a little bit pretty quickly, uh, our chat on this, but... I'm really hoping Toronto manages to swing some sort of trade involving Omar Gonzalez to Austin for one of Kamal Miller or Derek Cornelius because Toronto's backline needs some work. And I think bringing in a young Canadian or potentially two young Canadians, if they manage to swing a deal for both, could be huge, especially with a potential opening in at left back. Maybe Toronto can swing some sort of sign-in trade involving Justin Morrow over to Austin for Kamal Miller, and Derek Cornelius gets swapped for Omar Gonzalez. But I'm hopeful Toronto will be very involved in tomorrow to really, really play a part in redeveloping their backline, which needs a lot of work. Uh, but yeah. Okay. So moving away from Austin FC expansion draft talk, going into our usual outro or final segment of the episode, we'll start with player of the week. I know it's pretty hard to pick three different players given we only have one game, but we somehow managed to do it. We have three different players. So Connor, we'll let you start off. You got, you got the big one, um, that most people I think, 
would pick as their player of the week. Uh, so go ahead. Who is your player of the week? I guess more so player of the game, given we only had one game, but who did you put down as your player of the week? Yeah, I picked last out of all of us, and somehow I ended up with Zeller Ryan. So I won't complain. Uh, he was very good and scored two goals and was the main reason that Columbus won that game. Uh, but I initially was hoping I could go with the hipster pick, I guess, which is what the hipster in our call picked in Josh. Who did you go with? I went with Aiden Morris. I know I gushed about him a lot uh, earlier in the in the podcast, but man, I, I was just so blown away by the kid's performance. And like I said earlier, he was just a joy to watch. So I had to give him my my uh, my player of the week or player of the game or whatever. Uh, just out of pure respect, teenager coming in on arguably the biggest stage in this league and uh, outperforming Nicola Dare of all people. So felt he deserved the recognition. What about you, Drew? I went with Harrison Awful because the first goal, I thought he had a perfect pass to Zellerion, who tapped it in off of Stefan Fry's arm or something, found the back of the net. And the second, no, the third and final goal. Um, no, the second goal, the second goal. Harrison Awful sent it across early again, uh, took a deflection, Zellerion passed it, and that, that led to Zellerion's assist of the game and also into the second goal. So while Harrison Awful only got one assist on the day, I thought he was very influential and it was one of those where if this was hockey he would have gotten a hockey assist so I thought he played really good um sending a couple good crosses and was really influential into Columbus winning the cup um so now this is this is my favorite one because there were three goals and there are three of us so it was kind of it was literally just like who gets to pick first? I would be really interested if this game was like one to nothing, how we would do this segment because we'd all have one goal to pick from. But Columbus was looking out for us. They scored three because they knew we had to pick three different goals of the week. So thank you, Columbus crew, for winning MLS Cup and winning three nothing. We appreciate it. Uh, so, Connor, start us off again. What was your goal of the game? I was very tempted to change my last second to a European goal because I think that's what we would have done. He's taken one of the American abroads goals, but I won't. Instead, I will take the only non-Zellerian goal, uh, which was Derek Etienne's finesse into the corner. Uh, really nice finish, actually, uh, get, being able to get it around Stefan Fry. Uh, so I will go with... It is definitely the least impressive goal of the three because Zellerian's second goal was insane, and... I can't even remember his first goal, but I think it was a banger. Uh, but let's go in order from first to second. So, Drew, what is your goal <laughs> if I didn't give it away? Um, so when you mentioned Europe, I should have totally put this down. But in reality, it's Miguel Amaran's goal because every time he scores, I get I get so happy. Um or Giorana's goal. There was a lot of really good goals in Europe. But I guess if I'm going to pull the European card, it's Miguel Amaron's goal. Um, but I went with Zellerion's first goal because it was... I didn't get to pick his second one. Josh beat us to the punch. I think it's the main reason I put this one. But it was a good goal, right? I mean, it was a really good pass. He had a nice tap in. Um, granted, hit off Stefan Fry. But it was a good goal. He got at the end of a good pass. So I thought it was a good one. Um, got the ball rolling. And I think when they scored that... 
I, that was the first time I was like, holy cow, they might actually win this game. And then 90 minutes later, they're MLS Cup champs. So I went with Zillarion's first goal, which leaves us to Josh picking the only other option of the game. Um, but Josh, what was your goal of the week? Yep, I went with Zellerion's second goal, which was the icing on the cake for Columbus. He just placed that sucker perfectly in the upper left corner. Fry really had no chance of stopping it. So it was a, it was a beauty of a goal. And... I would say that his first goal might have been even better. I think he he hit it well enough to where, yeah, Fry got a hand on it, but the fact that he hit it that hard and Fry was unable to make the save, I think, is is props to Zellerion. So, uh, Connor, you you look like you don't really agree with me. I do not agree with you. I think that second goal was way nicer than... The first no, no, no! One. I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying the first one isn't nicer than the second one because the second one is definitely better. But I think the first one. I'm. I'm just saying Zarian deserves a good amount of credit, even though Fry put his hand on he it. He also definitely could have done more with that save, Fry, and I probably shouldn't have gone. That's why him. it's so impressive. That's why it's so impressive that Zarian hit the hit the mess out of that ball first time. So. Yeah. That's that's my argument on that. But uh, that's my goal. Ish, ish, ish. Thanks for, I rarely, I'm very rarely critical of Stefan Fry, but I think he could have done a little bit more on that. Specifically, what I want goalkeepers to do more of all the time and they never use enough is their feet. I think he easily could have kicked that clear or gotten a piece of that to put it up over the bar or straight out uh, with his foot, but... That's he's a there's a reason he's a professional goalkeeper and one of the best in MLS. And I am currently sitting here at 1:35 on a Monday, talking on an MLS podcast, which gets 10 downloads an episode. Um, but Drew, why don't you take us out if we have nothing more to add to this MLS 2020 season? Yeah, thanks guys so much for listening and keeping up. With the podcast, as MLS has endured the strangest season to date, but we got an MLS Cup champion, and we're very happy to get any amount of soccer. And the soccer doesn't stop. Champions League's in a couple days, which we will talk about next week, um, in addition to maybe some more Austin FC news. So be sure to tune in next week as we talk about Champions League and just the offseason getting underway. But thank you guys so much for listening today. Um, we really do appreciate it. As always, please visit MLSMultiplex.com as our writers cover the crazy offseason and keep writing reviews about MLS Cup and Champions League. Uh, visit the website on Twitter at MLS Multiplex. Uh, visit us on Twitter, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Connorville at CWG Somerville, and Josh at Josh underscore Boland. Uh, thank you guys again so much for listening. Uh, we'll have an awesome episode for you next week talking about Champions League. And please leave reviews on this podcast. We love hearing how we can get better and love hearing what you guys have to say. So we really do appreciate that. So yeah, thanks again as always for listening and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at mlsmultiplex.com. you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 
And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.